We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight we're here to break down the All-22 defensive film, and if you are watching on YouTube and you see this microphone hooked up to the desk to my right, just know that I'm as frustrated as you are that this microphone is not working. It's a brand new, beautiful road with a beautiful Xenix sound mixer to try to improve the sound for all the people who have said, rightfully so, that my sound is not great, especially because Nick is using a mixer with a high-tech microphone, not a Rode, something just as good, if not better. But with that said, for some odd reason, after perfect installation, followed every direction, plugged into the USB connector, plugged into the power, the power's on, the phantom's on, Nick and me went over all the different things to do for the mixer. My computer just won't recognize this new microphone and mixer, which is disappointing as hell for me. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but I just spent the last hour trying to Google this, which was a disaster as well. I'm beyond frustrated, so let's lighten the mood here, Nick, by getting into some fun stuff, and that's the Giants defense on tape. And so we can roll into this one straight if you want to, or we can talk about some things that you might have figured out or learned from the film. We didn't do that for the last offensive one. Kind of dove right into it. Maybe you can dive in there. I'll start. Maybe maybe I'll start with this one, something I found interesting. This is a stat for the entertainer. Shout out, entertainer, Chris. The Giants are the most aggressive defense in the NFL through the first six weeks. They blitz 42.5% of the time. That's wild. Almost every other snap, they're blitzing. The next closest team is 35.9%. Despite that, he said, they've only missed 21 tackles this year, which is the fourth fewest in the NFL. So that's pretty damn good stat to see. They're a sure tackling team, man. They're... Very disciplined. You don't really see a lot of times when the Giants are bouncing off tackles or not wrapping up. They legit embrace the running back. They give him a full hug. It's like they have so much affection that they're trying to drive their opponents into the ground with just a full-on hug, which I love because it's technically sound. And that's the one way I would describe this defense right now. And I also just like in this game, we'll see it on the film, a lot of tight front, a lot of guys 
five guys on the line of scrimmage. That's what the Giants were doing quite often here. Tight front, you have three guys in between the tackles, and then you have those two edges crept up on the line of scrimmage. Felt like Martindale was tasking his edges to do a lot because the Ravens run a ton of counter, and they can wash the tight front down the line of scrimmage, and then you need that edge defender to set that firm edge and allow those linebackers and second-level defenders to scrape over the top and flow to the desired gap. I felt like the Giants struggled a little bit in spots with this throughout the game, which we'll go over. But all in all, there were some big plays by guys like Dane Belton in this area when the Giants decided to roll out dime type of looks with multiple defensive backs. I also felt like it was kind of cool, Dan, how Wink Martindale crashed the mesh point and then would replace that end man on the line of scrimmage sometimes with another defender to ensure that Lamar Jackson did not get any sort of free release when he kept the football. And we're going to see that too. They did that a lot with Jihad Ward, and then they would scrape Jalen Smith, Tay Crowder, or Dane Belton off his ass behind him to contain Lamar Jackson, basically baiting Lamar Jackson to keep the football because he's going to read that end man on the line of scrimmage. Crash. And I thought that was an interesting wrinkle that I saw from Wink Martindale. It was obvious that Wink Martindale kind of knew the tendencies of the Ravens and had little calls here there to just disrupt Lamar Jackson and put his defense into an advantageous position. Yeah, and they even did some interesting things with their pre-snap alignments, which we'll get to as well, looking at the film to kind of just disrupt and disassociate the offensive line for the Ravens, get them to just second guess where they're supposed to be in pass direction. This is a staple now of the Wink Martindale defense, which I thought showed up here. I thought it was really interesting watching the safeties. Sometimes when they crashed out, they thought they did a great job, and I know they were coached to do this, of containing Lamar Jackson and making sure that they, the objective was for him to, to spill all of those Jackson runs inside because they felt like he could be so dangerous if they don't do that. Um, and so that was also something I thought was definitely coached up well in this game. And there were a lot of little nuances and a lot of little details of the coaching that showed up in this game. To be honest, Nick, it wasn't a perfect game at all for the Giants or for Wink Martindale on defense. The Ravens pretty much chewed the Giants up on this game from an offensive standpoint. The Giants made big plays where it counted, and that was the difference in this game. Two turnovers, that made a big difference. On both of those drives, I'm not sure the Giants would have stopped them. Key stop, where they had a great read on Jackson keeping the ball, which we'll get to, that kicked him out of field goal range. The time where they stopped them for a long field goal that was missed. And then ultimately, some of their red zone stops. This has been the story of the Giants defense. Ben, don't break. It doesn't seem like the likely story, considering the defense is so aggressive as we went over, blitzing more than any team in the NFL. You could still be a Ben, don't break defense, even if you blitz heavy. If, of course, you do what the stat showed. You tackle really well to second and third levels. You rally to the football. And more importantly, your red zone defense makes key stops. And that's been the story of this defense. It was a story again in this game. And there's a difference in why they were able to win a game where they weren't really able to stop the Ravens all that much in the run game or really over the middle of the passing over the middle of the field with with Mark Andrews. Once again, for the second consecutive week in the red zone, the Giants get a stop by sinking the end man on the line of scrimmage last week against the Green Bay Packers. It was Jalen Smith underneath the follow concept from the number two and the number three in the three by one set. But in this week, it was O'Shane Zimenez taking that step forward to occupy Ronnie Stanley, wasting blockers, something that Wink Martindale does fantastically, and then sinking underneath a backside route of Mark Andrews, which caused hesitation and forced Lamar Jackson to hold on to the football longer than he wanted to. And then eventually he overthrew Mark Andrews on that play. So little adjustments like that, man. It's not reinventing the wheel, like we said, but not only is O'Shane Zimenez in that situation, occupying a tackle to allow a blitz to pressure Lamar Jackson. He's also sinking underneath a route, removing that 
as a as a throwing option for Lamar Jackson temporarily, and then he applies pressure on Lamar Jackson. So Oshane Zimenez on that play, stay tuned. You will see it. We will cover it. Oshane Zimenez, though, on that play, executed three different assignments to harass the crap out of Lamar Jackson. And this is just what this defensive coordinator does with his personnel. This isn't even one of our best edge rushers, and he's asking Oshane to do an incredible task. And then the kid executes it very well. So execution is here too for the New York Giants. And it wasn't their all game as we'll go over, but in big plays, they executed. Yeah, I really, you get the feel in a game like this where personnel wise, the Giants weren't, I don't want to say they were outmatched, but I feel like there was a little bit of a disadvantage when the Ravens were on the offensive side of the ball. And that just kind of shows you the brilliance of having a Wink Barndale. It's almost like having a second head coach with the way that this defense is from a detail standpoint, with the way this defense is from a discipline standpoint, tackling, penalties, things of that nature. And ultimately, like you said, with their assignments and just operating the unique complexities of this defense, they've really turned this thing around so fast. Uh, and that's, again, a big reason why they're able to win these games because, you know, there are a few turnovers that aided it, but the Giants held the Ravens to a low to to uh, point total in this game, much lower than you would expect um, in this scenario or in this matchup. So we can dive right into it. Um, and, and one other thing that I thought was interesting that you wrote in your notes, and, I, and it was easily noticeable as you kind of look through the film, and you'll see it when we show the sideline view. The Giants used a lot more quarter defense, and they, uh, uh, and they used a lot more just like off coverage, I want to say. And I thought that was interesting because that was something they've done in past weeks, and we've seen Rodgers somewhat take advantage of that. Lamar Jackson was not as able to take advantage of that. They, tr they tried to throw a few quick passes to the flat uh, or to the to the boundary, but the Giant won the receiver, Ravens receiver sli slipped on and the other, and the timing just wasn't great. One Lamar Jackson just missed with it, with his throw, but that off coverage from the giants, I thought was very interesting in this game. Yeah. Let's get right into the film. And again, they were playing off, but they also played man coverage over 62% yeah. of the time in this game, which is the most of any game this season. So there was a lot of man coverage and typically you think, Oh, you're going up against Lamar Jackson. You don't want to run man coverage, but not when you design your defensive front to contain Lamar Jackson, while also dropping some of these other players off underneath routes as basically a spy, which you're also going to see. And that's something that the edges did quite often. One reason why, and we'll get through this through the film. One reason why though, the Ravens were able to have such success on the ground was also because the giants are paying so much attention to Lamar Jackson. Right. Every time they go into the mesh point, you have to have those backside defenders look at Lamar like, dude, I have to respect him. I cannot just pretend like he's not there because the last thing you want is Lamar Jackson running in space. Yeah, great point. All right, we start here with an eight-play drive for the Ravens. Ultimately, it results in a punt. This is one of those examples of where I thought the Giants' back-end defense took a lot of points off the board. It's only a 33-yard drive, but it got them close to scoring position on eight plays. Um, but ultimately, a big play on third down led to the punt. So we start with an interesting look, just Nick, just because it's the sidecar that Cam McCusick talked about on the Ravens preview. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting that they came right out in that formation that we've really never heard of. And we don't really see many teams utilize this formation. Um, and they were able to get a little six yard gain on it. And again, we get to see this counter type of run right here, right? They're going to use fullback Patrick Ricard to come out here and attempt to kick out Jihad Ward. And then the backside guard is going to pull. This is something the Ravens did so extensively. They pulled their backside guard almost all game. And look at what Jihad Ward is tasked to do. He recognizes block down, step down, right? The tackle is going to block down double team Leonard Williams. 
number 99 right there. And then Jihad Ward knows I need to keep this rushing lane narrow and spill everything outside. So he just steps down and he replaces and the backside guard can't even fit through this hole because Jihad Ward does such a good job in that area. And also because Leonard Williams does such an excellent job anchoring down against this double team right here. And that allows Tay Crowder to set outside and then the safeties to come and fill. And the reason Tay Crowder set outside here, because you can say, oh, he's taking himself out of the gap. But look at that traffic jam in the gap. There's really nothing outside. J.K. Dobbins probably should have bounced this outside, but he gets, he he actually just is patient and just hits the hole and ends up getting a solid gain here. But Tay Crowder has to account for that because Julian Love is occupied in the block. And then you also have Jihad Ward, who's really, really tight and really, really narrow. So he's not able to contain either. He went in with the wrong arm. Yeah, exactly. Well, well broken down. Next, the next play, the Giants actually get a nice stop here for negative two yards. And this is a good example of what we were talking about before, Dan, with Jihad Ward and how he crashes this mesh point so hard right here. And look then you at have that front. Julian reminds Love you a right lot there. of what we saw against the Titans in week one. Yeah, it's just five guys who are on the line of scrimmage. You have one linebacker essentially behind Dexter Lawrence. And then out to the left side at the field side, you have Jalen Smith. And right when Lamar Jackson goes into this mesh point, the Reed defender here, who is Jihad Ward, just crashes, goes right after the mesh point right there and ends up getting J.K. Dobbins. And look, if Lamar Jackson handed the football off or if he kept the football here, you have Julian Love screaming right off his ass right there to make the tackle on Lamar Jackson. So this is one of those little adjustments that Wink Martindale made to ensure that Lamar Jackson wasn't going to have cl a clear read. So he tries to hand the football off. Jihad Ward just does a really good job getting to J.K. Dobbins and tossing him to the ground to set up a third and six. Yes, the Giants set them up in a third and medium here. It's it's possible to get a stop here. Let's take a look from the sideline view on this one, if we can. They are playing off coverage here with an off coverage kind of quarters look, it appears to me at least, Nick. Um, and ultimately, they're able to kind of connect in the middle of the field here with Mark Andrews, who was just a, a nightmare all game. Mark Andrews was open a lot of the game. It's hard to really game plan against a team like the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens do a good job sending JK Dobbins out to the flat to open up the middle of the field. Tay Crowder ends up following him there. And then you're right. You have a quarters type of look and the middle of the field is really open because Jalen Smith ends up kind of coming on a delayed looking blitz. Yeah. It looks kind of awkward, but it's, it's five guys. It's somewhat of a blitz, but it's also somewhat of, okay, don't let a Lamar Jackson run around. So he's also just watching Lamar Jackson, but that just leaves a huge voided space for Mark Andrews to just sit basically at the sticks for an easy first down. Yeah, that one was a little too easy looking. Um, then it was a false start by the Ravens. There were a lot of false starts in this game, so I want to give kudos to the fans for helping with that because the Ravens had a, t a ton of false starts in this game. So ultimately, first and 15 after the false start. Interesting design, but the Giants play it well, and then you just kind of get to see in this example what Lamar Jackson is able to do with broken plays with his legs. It's a fake screen, it looks like, to Devin Duvernay, who acts like he's going into a screen right before the snap, as you can see here. He starts fading in the screen. Lamar Jackson pump fakes, but the Giants just don't bite on it, man. You talk about discipline and an assignment sound because you have those two guys who are going to act as stalk blockers in front of the Giants' three defenders, but none of the Giants' defenders bite on the fake screen. They all pay attention to their assignments and they pass their assignments off well to really close Mark Andrews and number three of the Ravens close to the sideline. Lamar Jackson had absolutely nowhere to go with the football here to the play side. And I felt, felt like it was very well played by the Giants. And also watch Jihad Ward right here, right? You have a bunch of guys on the line of coming. Jihad Ward just ends up sinking towards the number three wide receiver side. If there's any in-breaking routes, he's sitting there. And he's also someone who can help in containing Lamar Jackson. 
which he doesn't really do. He tries to right here. Lamar Jackson ends up getting 13 yards there. But his job right there is to sink underneath any inside breaking route from that bunch, but none of them break inside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly. It's a tough task, even for anyone, not just Jahad Ward, to be able to pull that off. But the Ravens do get another false start after this, so that looked like a 13-yard gain, and it was. But they're in second and seven because they got another false start here. Um, and then they hit the Giants again with another big beater here. This one, I, I look at this play, Nick, as we're running it through here to likely and a really nice release off the line of scrimmage from likely. This is, to me, really highlights the limitations with Tay Crowder as a pass coverage linebacker and just overall athleticism while moving laterally for Tay Crowder. You talked about last podcast episode, how Tay Crowder is a much better athlete moving forward as a blitzer or coming down the line of scrimmage. When he's asked to move laterally, you can kind of see, look at how much ground he gives up there um, where he tries to break back here. It's it's way, way, way too much ground. And it leads to, you know, some linebackers here in coverage. Now you have to be a great linebacker. Some linebackers in coverage can do so well that they can break on it. And he catches at the 50 and he's tackled the 50. He ends up getting a huge chunk gain there. Another 13 yards that really should have not been given up. Maybe you give him another one, another two, but you should be able to do a lot better in coverage. He's completely just lost on this play in coverage. In terms of Tay Crowder, you're you're right, but he just needs to be more aware of, of the space on the field right here. Like right. He, he opens up like he's going to wall likely off. Like he's going to attempt to prevent likely from getting over the middle of the field. That's a really good look at release. Like look how low Isaiah likely is there and how he explodes off that outside foot and then flattens the angle. And look at all that separation he has. But I don't know what Tay Crowder is exactly doing in this situation because you want to be a lot closer to likely if your job is to restrict him from getting over the middle of the field, which I'm not 100% certain if that was his job. Well, why but wouldn't it be? Look at all the space in the middle of the field. I mean, it's we're guessing, obviously, like you said, you can we can't be in cer a certain of any of these assignments, but given well, the I space mean, in the middle of the field, it makes sense. Yes, but like if Isaiah likely were to run a seven route here, right. it would be it would have been an easier task for Tay Crowder to cover him in, in the with the leverage that he's playing with right there. It just totally neglects the fact that the middle of the field is even there. And it's not like he had any help. There was no one to help take Crowder no here. So exactly. So to me, it's just a mistake on Tay Crowder that showed his processing limitations and his athletic limitations in coverage in terms of turning your hips, flipping your hips, and then closing with likely he's a good athlete. Don't get me wrong, but you can't have your linebacker exploited like this. Like let's, let's not have memories of last year, how much Tay Crowder was exploited in coverage. And that carried over to week one against Dontrell Hilliard. We haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks, but the giants ran man coverage quite often in this game. And there's one place you can exploit the Giants defense. It's that linebacker and man coverage with athletic tight ends. And teams are going to do this. We haven't seen this in the last couple of weeks. I'm surprised we didn't see it from the Packers more often, but we had Baker Mayfield. We had Cooper Rush and Justin Fields. So I'm not expecting those guys, but this, this ends up being a 19 yard game when it really should be at most a nine, eight, eight, seven, eight, nine yard gain. And it's a big one. Um, and obviously it leads to this first and 10 where the Ravens try to run a screen. But the Giants do a really good job here uh, kind of preventing this. And this is what I was talking about before. Sorry, not a great job as I'm rewatching this play. This is the one I was talking about before. I mean, where the Raven kind of just slept and so did the Giants defender. But this was kind of the Raven doing a little bit of what the Packers did last week, trying to take advantage of the Giants playing off coverage. Not even just off coverage. Look at the formation the Ravens are in to the field right. side. The Ravens have Mark Andrews, Devin DuVernay directly behind him, and then Patrick Ricard, a little offset 
inside of Devin DuVernay, but you have three extra bodies to the field side. And then the screen goes to the boundary side. And in order to account for those extra gaps created by the extra bodies of the offense, the Giants have Leonard Williams, Julian Love, O'Shane Zimenez, Adoree Jackson, and Dane Belton all over the top of Mark Andrews, Devin DuVernay, Patrick Ricard, and their right tackle. So that's one reason why like Lamar Jackson is just this. I'm not sure if this was an alert call or, or what exactly it was, but he's just reading the field and he's like, there's so many bodies to the field side. Let's just hit this boundary screen. And then you're going to have a one-on-one matchup. Both of them fall down. And then Fabian Moreau makes a, a solid tackle there to, to limit the gain. That could have been a lot worse. Yeah. It was a solid recovery leads to the second and eight situation here for the Ravens. And this is again, where the giants kind of clamp down here. They have a great third down stop, which you'll see in a second. And we'll talk about, but on this second and eight play here, it's just good coverage and nowhere to really go with the football. If you look at it from this angle, it looks like if Lamar maybe throws it earlier, he can kind of hit that boundary throw where he eventually tries to get to, but he doesn't process it fast enough. And there's a good edge rush coming around from Kayvon Thibodeau. There's a good edge rush coming around for Kayvon Thibodeau. Looks like the offensive tackle took a little bit to see that he was coming. And Lamar is also throwing this on a weird angle, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes type of sidearm throw. And then the accuracy wasn't there. It might have been a miscommunication between Likely and him, but the ball is nowhere near where it really needed to be. And let's watch what the Giants do over here to the boundary side. You have the tight front, you have both the edges, and then Xavier McKinney drops down over the top of Patrick Ricard, and the Giants end up getting a two-versus-one on Ronnie Stanley right here. Ronnie Stanley has to take the innermost guy, which is Xavier McKinney, and he does a good job kind of just getting contact on Kayvon Thibodeau, but that accelerated the rush. And what the Giants also did with Justin freaking Ellis, they fanned Justin Ellis out towards the field side just to kind of expand the pocket. So Lamar Jackson doesn't have as easy of a time rushing the football. I just felt like that was a funny adjustment because this dude's like 350 pounds, definitely not the athlete like Lamar Jackson, but that's deliberate right there. Because if you look at the front right now on the YouTube, on the YouTubes, as, as the uh, geriatrics would say, you have Dexter Lawrence right over the nose and then Leonard Williams to the boundary side right over that guard. Both of them are going to eliminate those blockers, occupy them. And that's where you get the two versus one from Xavier McKinney and Kayvon Thibodeau against Ronnie Stanley, the tackle, if Patrick Ricard does not stay in protection, which he did not. So now it's just on Justin Ellis to contain Lamar Jackson with O'Shane Zimenez dropping in coverage on, I think that's Mark Andrews there. So this play could have ended up burning the Giants, but the pressure ended up facilitating Lamar Jackson throwing this football out of bounds. And then here comes a really fun look on third and eight here for the Giants. This one you might have seen floating around Twitter right now. Um, for those listening, the Giants have Shane Zimenez, Dexter Lawrence, and Kayvon Thibodeau literally lined up one after another behind each other over the center. Just a crazy pre-snap look. And then obviously you can finish off what the Giants do on this, Nick. Yeah, I absolutely love what they do here because the Ravens protection is like, dude, I have no idea what the heck is going on here. And the Ravens just have their power you can gap. See Ronnie Staley pointing to the left guard. Sorry to cut you off. Just like trying to get him set right before the ball snap. Yeah, they're talking. They're like, dude, I, I don't know. And they're both pulling too. This is a, right. a, a, a GT counter run by Lamar Jackson, a, a quarterback power run where they go into the mesh point with J.K. Dobbins and then Lamar Jackson's attempting to just keep it behind the guard and the tackle, but no one's blocking Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward just crashes again, right to the mesh point, gets in front of Lamar Jackson, forces a cutback, and there's no one there to to really help Lamar Jackson at that point. You also have O'Shane Zimenez, who does a good job from that eye formation, just kind of fanning outside. And then you have Dane Belton come right around 
Leonard Williams and ends up taking up the the backside tackle who is pulling keeps everything narrow and there's really just nowhere for Lamar Jackson to go this is an unpredictable defense and it ended up working because there were so many different moving parts that really just took advantage of what Greg Roman was trying to do with his athletic quarterback yeah six defenders in the box for the Giants all really operating the same assignment don't let Lamar Jackson run here um and you can see they they stop him for a big loss and that drive, Nick, was looking a lot like it was going to be a point scoring drive for the Ravens. That's a, you know, there were a lot of big differences in this game. The interception, the fumble. This one was an example of that. It felt like they were guaranteed at some point to get at least three points, especially with Justin Tucker. The Giants needed to turn that into negatives, starting with, you know, them slipping on that route. But ultimately, that excellent play on third and eight there by the Giants. And that sets up another drive where the Ravens come out way scoreless, but this is on the missed field goal. One of the biggest defensive sequences is in this drive. It's an 11 play 46 yard drive where the Ravens were driving. Well, we'll see it right here. We'll start with the first down play. Just a simple zone read, use motion, hand the football off to JK Dobbins. And I felt like Tay Crowder does an okay job along with Dexter Lawrence stopping this play. Tay Crowder, you could see the motion of Patrick Ricard draws Tay Crowder to his right. And then he also stops right here, noticing that the gap is open, and then just sits along with Dexter Lawrence, and they just make an easy tackle on J.K. Dobbins. I got to say, man, look how much the Giants just rally to the football here. So many blue jerseys on top of J.K. Dobbins, which is what you would want, obviously, but it's it's good to see. It's good to yeah, see. Yeah, you don't see it from every defense, and the Giants are certainly a defense that rallies to the football, which sets up the second and nine. Well, I want to go over that first down again because yep. look at Lamar Jackson's side. So for those listening on the audio – the Giants also use O'Shane Zimenez and Jalen Smith to play Lamar Jackson on this zone read so much. Like both of them are right in the face of Lamar Jackson. O'Shane Zimenez is probably coming anyways, but nobody blocks him because he's the backside of this designed zone read type of play, if you want to call it that. But I believe this is more of just a design run to J.K. Dobbins with the mesh point. But look at Jalen Smith plays high side to force Lamar Jackson to give it off if it was actually a true read type of play. Exactly. And there were a lot of examples of the Giants trying to force Lamar into making decisions, which I thought was excellent. Like, like Wink always says, we want to dictate as a defense. And so you're rolling forward here with the second down play here. Um, just a little four yard run. Good job here by Dane Belton. I thought. Good job here by Dane Belton. Again, you have the guard from the backside and the tackle pulling something that Ravens did so much. Look, you can kind of see a tell right here with the right tackle. He's leaning very hard to the inside and they both end up pull right, right. here. I felt like Kayvon Thibodeau does a solid job using the squeeze technique to keep everything narrow. And then you see Leonard Williams work through his block to work back to the desired route to pick up that backside tackle. You see how that backside tackle was going to lead and end up taking Dane Belton out of this play. And Dane Belton's one of the last lines of defense, but Leonard Williams winning his matchup against Ronnie Stanley and then picks right there. If you're watching on YouTube, picks the the tackle to allow Dane Belton to get outside and make this tackle on Kenyon Drake. I felt like that was a nice little play that's not going to show up in the stat sheet for Leonard Williams, but it can go a long way. Yeah, great, great point there. And that's that helps Dane Belton, like you said, make that tackle. So now we have a third and five situation. We'll go to the sideline angle for those watching along. Um, this, I thought, was just an incredible anticipatory throw by Lamar Jackson, who never gets enough credit, as he should, for a passer. They go empty here, the Ravens. Uh, there's not much open. He has to throw the receiver open. They even try to double it. The Giants by put by putting uh Kayvon Thibodeau by dropping Thibodeau in coverage, running underneath that zone. But despite the pressure in his face with somebody coming right in his lap, 
Lamar throws with excellent anticipation, releases the football way before the receivers open and throws it into space. Felt like this was a great throw by Lamar Jackson. And we'll see in the end zone angle. Dexter, Dexter Lawrence gets really good pressure. And this is match type principle, cover three match type of play. If you look at the bottom of the screen, you could see how Adore Jackson and Dane Belton pass that route off. The number two receiver ends up going vertical and Dane Belton just passes it to a Dory Jackson and then sits on JK Dobbins. Who's chilling in the flat. That's that's good defense right there from the New York giants. There's, there's no window for Lamar Jackson to throw the football to the, to the field side here because Dane Belton and, and Adore Jackson are on the same exact page. So I yeah, wanted to no give real window anywhere, especially with Thibodeau dropping into that area, just an absolutely dime ball by him throwing with anticipation, throwing into space rather than waiting for the receiver to get open with Dexter Lawrence in his face. So now you can see from this angle, Lawrence slides over the center. Just another example of Lawrence beating a center here. Uh, but Jackson with a great throw. I felt like overall Tyler Linderbaum actually had like a really good game specifically as a run blocker. I feel like he, he got up into space plenty of times, located second level defenders and did all those things. Blocking Dexter Lawrence is hard and he loses this rep Tyler Linderbaum that is, but as you'll see through the film, there are plenty of plays where he helped spring some of these long runs. Look at the arm slot there from, from Lamar Jackson. He's really interesting with, with some of his throws, man. Like he kind of has a little bit of Mahomes in him where he has like, look at that arm slot right there. That's that you need that to get around, to make that throw. And that's why he's able to drive that ball in there. It's a great play by Lamar. Yep. So it sets up a first and 10 here, a little five yard gain um, here for the Ravens. And again, the Ravens are just really, like you said, a lot of pulling players, a lot of power and just really taking it to the giants in the run game. Giants are in somewhat of a tight look here. There's so much motion. Like they have a Patrick Ricard, the Ravens, right. and then Josh Oliver on the line of scrimmage as like a double Y type of set. And then they pull Patrick Ricard. The giants don't shift. And then you have the entire right side of the offensive line of scrimmage, just block Nick Williams down. And then it's on cave on Thibodeau to handle the kickout block. And he tries to avoid, which he does quite often. Now you have Julian love against the backside guard pulling. It's a tough situation to be in. And the giants found themselves in it quite a bit. And it sprung a couple of these big runs right here. I thought like Jalen Smith, although he loses right here against the, the tight end initially, he actually does a solid job fighting through this block and then ended up making the tackle on JK Dobbins right there. And an interesting snap as well from the standpoint of no take Crowder, Jalen Smith kind of operating as the mic on this play. Um, just something we might see more often potentially, especially with Landon Collins in the mix, who knows. But I thought, like you said, despite losing early in this, Jalen Smith does a good job of fighting and then ultimately making the tackle. And there's so much of this, man. Like this play, there's so much that the Giants have to account for. You have both of the pullers. Right. So that's the designed run running path, but you also got to watch Lamar Jackson who keeps this and runs around the edge. Plenty Ocean Zimenez has to respect that. So he does, as we see here, he stops his feet and looks at Lamar Jackson. And now you have how many blockers heading to the play side. You've got three blockers to the right of the center who are going to block down on Nick Williams and then climb to locate Jalen Smith. And then you have Patrick Ricard and the backside guard kicking out Kayvon Thibodeau and locating Julian Love. So the next closest defender is going to be Dane Belton, who's the alley defender. That's just not a great situation to find yourselves in. And the the way Lamar Jackson, the way he plays football and just how talented he is and how you have to respect his arm and his legs, put the defense in a bind. And honestly, the Giants could have been could have been a lot worse. They allowed a ton of rushing yards to Kenyon Drake, but they didn't allow too many to Lamar Jackson. They allowed a couple big plays here and there, but could have been a lot worse. If we've seen through this season so far, he has like two 100-yard rushing games already. Yeah, and there's a big play at some point we're going to get to. I think it's coming up, actually, where 
Um, Julian Love does an excellent job. I think it's two plays from now of making an individual play to potentially break up to, to eventually prevent a big run by Lamar Jackson. But here you're looking at the second and five, I believe, where the Giants just have a really, really good end tackle twist to get pressure on Lamar Jackson. Ridiculous throw from that platform by Lamar Jackson. He almost completes this pass despite this excellent pressure by the Giants. He's jumping to make this throw and it puts it right on the receiver regardless. But great job in coverage by the Giants there. It looks like a Dory Jackson. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst, and the recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. I've tried Liquid Death, and I am still here. I'm not plastic, nor am I thirsty anymore, because my former parched state was quenched by the tart acidic taste of one of their flavors, Severed Lime. The lime became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor, Mango Chainsaw, which combines real agave nectar with Leatherface to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit, go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, Bury It Alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. Again, go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. And then use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com slash BIGBLUE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day weather, and 
Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. It was a Dory Jackson, and then you also had the single high safety, who I believe is Xavier McKinney back there too. But watch what the Giants do to create this pressure. So they're going to run an ET twist. So what they're going to do is they're going to use the end Jihad Ward, and they're going to run him right through the inside shoulder of the guard and then right into the hip of Tyler Linderbaum, the center, which is going to free up Dexter Lawrence. Jihad Ward right here on this twist is occupying two blockers, and that allows Dexter Lawrence to separate and get into the pocket, and he delivers a huge hit on Lamar Jackson. And if you watch Leonard Williams too, his job isn't to necessarily just beat Ronnie Stanley. Now, obviously you want to beat Ronnie Stanley, but you want to occupy Ronnie Stanley and go high side through the outside shoulder to open up this B gap. And that's exactly what happens here. And you also have Nick Williams slant to the right. You have Taman Fox slant to the right. And then you use Dane Belton as a contained defender to the opposite of the pressure. So the pressure is coming from the right side of the defense, you put Dane Belton on the left side, just in case Lamar Jackson gets squirrely and wants to use his legs. This is a very nice rush to free up Dexter Lawrence and also contain Lamar Jackson at the same time. And Lamar throws a dime, but it's not caught. And one of the big reasons why this play is a negative play for the offense is because of the design of this twist by Wink Martindale. Yeah, and I love the little details you pointed out right there. One being Leonard Williams kind of going on the outside shoulder of Ronnie Stanley to open up a little bit more width for a twist like that for Dexter Lawrence get around. And then as we see, we all need a little width, Dan. (laughs) That's for certain. And then as we see on the other side, and we've seen this throughout the game, when Belton's coming up and playing contain there to kind of prevent Lamar Jackson from making a big run, I love how he also kind of, and this we'll see this throughout the game. It's not just Belton. It's when Love does this the same way or McKinney. They take the outside shoulder as well. They kind of try to keep Lamar Jackson from breaking outside and to force everything back inside. So it's really just the little details by by everybody in, involved in this play, including the design that make this possible, even all the way through the end of the play where Lamar somehow drops a dime here despite you know being hit and jumping to make the throw. But Adoree Jackson's right there in coverage to make sure that it's not caught. I love good, sound defensive execution. And we're getting more of it this season from around the league because the offensives... They look terrible so far, man. The offenses around the league do not look good. This has definitely been a defensive year, but plays like this, you know, they make me smile because game is tailored to offense and just good scheming and execution makes me smile in terms of defensive football. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I don't want to get ahead of myself, Nick, by any means, but there was ever a year to be a defense first team that controls the ball via the run game and is efficient in the passing game, but doesn't take too many chances in the passing game. This is probably the year to do it. And that's what the Giants are, at least right now, identity-wise. And this might be the year where that could go somewhere. But this is, I think, the next play that I wanted to refer to here, where I thought Julian Love did an excellent job coming down from depth here. And then, again, contain, making sure Lamar Jackson goes inside here with his positioning, but then also recovering and then making a shoestring tackle. Watch Love here. He comes down here. He forces Lamar back inside, and then he's the one who ultimately grabs him by the feet to make the tackle. It's a good observation. Yeah, Julian Love had a heck of a game. Not only did he have the interception, little plays like this, and then he also has the PBU that we're going to go over here in a little bit. That's a huge play right there. Just gets the the feet of Lamar. And Look at look how tight the Giants are right here, though. The Giants yeah. are so tight. And then you have Kayvon Thibodeau with Patrick Ricard and then the tackle to the right side. 
And look, everybody just blocks down, washes down, and you have Kayvon Thibodeau set high side on the zone read. He takes Kenyon Drake, and then that opens up the alley for Lamar Jackson. And now you have a lead blocker coming from the backside. This is why these, these counter runs and these double polar runs that the Ravens execute are, are so well done because it puts the defense in such a crappy situation. Everybody who's getting blocked down needs to do some sort of job to, to go back to the play side and while also staying disciplined in their gap. But also they just need to fight through the wall that is coming down on them, which is exactly what you see there. Even a player like, like this right here, Patrick Ricard ends up taking Dane Belton out of the play. There's just really no one there for the giants. Yeah. And I just love like the feet, the footwork of Julian love. I mean, he's, he comes down, he contains and forces Lamar back inside. And then after all of that, he break, he comes off of the block of an offensive lineman of a pulling guard to make the tackle. It's an excellent play by, by a defensive back there. And also check out the formation. Who is not on the field? Looks like let's run that back. No, take Crowder, no, take Crowder, no Jalen Smith. This is a pure, Seven DBs out there, or I think six DBs because you have three down linemen. Seen that a lot on these third down situations. Yeah, it's a, a really I mean, good call by the Ravens to attack. By the way, it's a third and five situation. Typically, you're going to see a pass, but not with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, you always got to worry about the run with this team. Um, that leads to a first down situation where the Ravens hit a little twelve yard pass here and an unbelievable catch by Isaiah Likely. And now this is Josh Oliver. Sorry, Josh. This was the Josh Oliver one-hander. Correct. Look at this. Great, great throw too, man. Right. So this ball whizzes by Jalen Smith's hand. Yeah, that's a rip. This is the play that was reviewed. Brian Dable challenged it and they lost and the ball hits the ground, but I'm actually okay. When, when that, when that challenge uh, fails, because in my opinion, the, the ball was controlled the entire time. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think so, too. I think you nailed it. it. As long as the ball's controlled and it doesn't look like the ground changes anything, I'm okay with it being considered a catch. And that's, you know, been something that's been debated through years in the NFL. Yeah, definitely has. been. look at Ricard again on Jahad Ward, this fullback coming across the formation and then just setting like he's an offensive freaking lineman. Yeah. Dude. Like, what he's a, a good weapon piece for them. He really is. It's interesting to get a guy like that and they use him really well. If that guy was a New York Giant, we would be posting about him on Twitter all the time. Yeah. It wouldn't be Sills Army. It would be Ricard Army. Like everyone would love that, dude. Yes, that is correct. And here we have this first and ten. Another just incredible play here. Uh, well, this is actually the 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 pass to Oliver, but the next one is a first and ten shot down the field that Lamar takes. And Julian Love, despite being beat initially on a double move, you'll take a look at Love here gets beat on the double move. Bottom of your screen does an excellent job in trail technique, recovers and makes a PBU here on a really, you know, a game changing PBU because this could have been a touchdown. This is a huge play and watch one of the reasons why Julian Love quote unquote loses. It's because he's eyeing the number two right here. So for those listening, you have three eligible receivers to the field side, two to the boundary. It's empty formation. One of the eligible receivers is essentially a tight end. So you have two receivers that Adoree Jackson and Julian Love are paying attention to. And the Giants run these match principles, right? Well, Devin DuVernay, who's the number two receiver, curls, and then he flares to the flat. And what that's going to do is that's going to force Adoree Jackson to come off the number one receiver and pass him to Julian Love. And Julian Love just hesitates a little bit 
on this transition and also thinks that Demarcus Robinson, who was the initial number one receiver, is running a post or a dig. So he takes his eyes off of Robinson, transitions off the double move, and then gets his eyes on Lamar Jackson before realizing that it's actually a double move. But this is another one of those match principles right there where Adoree Jackson and Julian Love switch assignments. And then Julian Love just found himself out of position and great job, like you said, to work back through the catch point to, to earn this PBU because this could have been bad right here if Lamar Jackson threw the football right at this point and I'm freezing it and Demarcus Robinson has Julian Love beat by about three and a half, four yards. But the reason why Lamar Jackson doesn't throw this football until later is because of Kayvon Thibodeau. And, and I that's think that's exactly what I was just going to say. So you nailed it, Nick. Good job. The reason why Lamar isn't able to anticipate and throw the ball after that double moves because Thibodeau has a great pressure, which forces Lamar to escape, reset his feet, reset his platform, and then throw the football. But by that point, Julian Love does an excellent job recovering. See, the Ravens learned, because this is the same formation that they saw on the previous drive, only this time they keep Josh Oliver in. They don't They don't, They don't. don't have him release another route. Josh Oliver is tasked to blockade on Thibodeau, and now Ronnie Stanley isn't, isn't, doesn't have to worry about a two-verse-one. So you see that, but now you have Kayvon Thibodeau isolated against a tight end. That's a assignment I will sign up for any day of the week. And you can see how Thibodeau just forces Lamar Jackson to reset his feet. And I felt like Lamar Jackson does a good job resetting his feet and delivering this football, but one heck of a play by Julian Love. Hell yeah. Great play by Love. Great, great play by Thibodeau on this. And then there's another false start for the Ravens. I believe this is the third of the game. Obviously, you know, the, the, the crowd noise is making a difference here. These are penalties they were pissed off about. Um, after the game. And this is just an excellent team defense stop here by the Giants. Tackle just gets a great jump and it looks like he moves before everyone else, but that allows Leonard Williams to shoot his hands into his chest and then win outside of him. But this is a great play by O'Shane Zimenez. And it's weird, man. Mark Andrews tries to turn O'Shane Zimenez outside instead of pinning him. You know, the, the, the desired run gap right here was going to be outside of the tight end, but we saw a lot of the Ravens pinning, especially when you have this pre-snap leverage that Mark Andrew has on, on O'Shane Zimenez. He's about a yard off of O'Shane Zimenez to the outside, so where you can just kind of run through O'Shane Zimenez's outside shoulder, but instead he tries to grab him and then physically remove him. But O'Shane Zimenez resets himself, locks Mark Andrews out, and then makes this tackle. But one of the heroes of this play is a name that we've already talked about quite often. It's Julian Love. Because right. that desired rushing lane right there that Mark Andrews is creating, that's a little bit different from what we've seen so far this game, it's occupied by Julian Love, who is positioned and sitting right in the middle of it. And the lead blocker is a little slow to get there because Jalen Smith beats Kevin Zeitler to his set point and then kind of intercepts him a little bit. So there's really nowhere for J.K. Dobbins to go except outside, which is right where Oshin Zimenez was. So this is just excellent team defense by New York. Exactly. And it sets up a third and 16 situation here. Giants send four pass rushers going to quarters look. And I don't think ultimately, even if this ball is completed, it's going to do too much damage besides setting up an easier field goal attempt. But that's the key here because an easier field goal attempt probably makes the difference. Tucker misses that kick by hitting the uprights and had enough power on it. So if the Ravens can get another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 yards, and who knows if this ball is thrown on target, there might be a chance for him to cut back, make a play. I think this back. is a first down if it's completed. It could be a first down here. It could be a first down. The Giants tackle pretty well, but it could be. But Lamar Jackson straight up just misses this throw, puts a little too much juice on it. And I think he ultimately expected the back to be in a different spot here. I believe it was Kenyon Drake on this play. This might have been Dobbins. I'm not sure. 
That's Drake. Um, yeah, it is Drake by this point. And it's just a bad miss by Lamar, who had a good game, but had a couple key misses and obviously the big turnovers. Do you hate the Drake? Yeah, <laughs> the Drake. No, I don't hate the Drake. No, nah, I don't hate the Drake either. Seinfeld reference. We're not we're not malicious here on this podcast. No. But I but I do like how Darnay Holmes here. Darnay Holmes is up against Mark Andrews. And you can see how the Giants release Tay Crowder to the inside of Mark Andrews. And you also have Darnay Holmes work inside of Mark Andrews as well. I'm wondering if I'm wondering what the coverage assignment here is because Kenyon Drake goes unoccupied for quite some time. And right. is this another mistake? by Tay Crowder, like who had flat responsibility. I'm imagining Darnay Holmes, even though it's a mismatch, he goes right after Mark Andrews and then works inside of Mark Andrews. So I'm likely thinking that he doesn't have flat responsibility if there is a three coming or a four coming in that direction to the boundary. So this could be Tay Crowder being late to Kenyon Drake in this situation. Maybe they anticipated a six-man protection. He ends up releasing in the route. Either way, if it is on Tay Crowder, and I can't say with full certainty that it is, it's just another one of those mistakes where Tay Crowder is a little bit too late to the position that he needs to be in. And you keep making this mistake, it's going to be exploited by offensive coordinators. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. Um, you know, Tate Crowder it took a lot of, had a lot of credit for his quote-unquote breakout game, but he's still a player who I believe is, for the most part, a liability when he's on the field in pass coverage, at least. Um, run defense, he's had moments, he has flashes at times. But again, leads to a big field goal miss here and then on the next drive the Ravens come back down here so just to get a little update on where we're at score wise here the Ravens missed the field goal still a 0-0 game Giants can't put any points on the board and the Ravens go 89 yards on eight plays to put the first points on the board with a touchdown here so we can start with this play here as you guys are seeing as we run it back here so I had a question for you here regarding Tay Crowder here so I thought you say here again yeah, one more here. Take Crowder on this play. I thought that on one hand, maybe he's trying to just play contain and, and force Lamar Jackson back to the inside. On the other, if he takes a different angle, he really should be able to make the tackle here on this play. Um, you see the angle he takes directly upfield. I don't really understand why he doesn't take that angle a little bit more narrow, a little bit more directly toward the quarterback instead of taking those steps upfield. You can see he starts to break back, but then he's out of position completely and then trailing. Good on him to at least get himself back in a position to almost yeah, make I a tackle. It was impressive that he that he stuck with the play. But look how just take a look at the angle here for for Tay Crowder. Yeah, it just so feels like there's an opportunity for him to make a play. Now he's completely out of position, as you can see it as you're watching. And then at that point, he's just kind of running to catch up with Jackson. What I would guess here, first off, excellent play by Dexter Lawrence, which we are going to say so yes. much. Five guys on the line of scrimmage again. Two guys drop into the box. Giants were anticipating some sort of run, and they were definitely going to attempt to get pressure on Lamar Jackson, who throws a fake screen type of attempt and then turns. And as he turns back to the play side, he hits his back foot, and Dexter Lawrence is already in his face. Dexter Lawrence has two hands on him, and this is where he kind of steps up into the pocket and escapes and outruns Tate Crowder, like Dan was talking about. But right here, Tate Crowder is playing contain, and he sees Dexter Lawrence get his hands around him. And I think right at this moment, he's going to finish this sack off. That's what I think. Tay Crowder was believing at this point, but Lamar Jackson is so slippery that he just steps up and Dexter Lawrence slides right off of him. And then he ends up picking up extra yards. I think Tay Crowder thinks that Lamar Jackson is done though. And then yeah, it's right here where he's like, Oh crap. Yeah. And he realized once he, once he realizes, Oh crap, he's kind of out of position to make the play on it. But that one could have been a big one. I think if he took a little bit of a different angle, but it is what it is. He's probably taught to play contain there. Look at Dexter though, man. Dexter Lawrence, 
just swims inside and then gets through another blocker trying to get to him. Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler struggled with Dexter Lawrence. A lot of people are going to struggle with Dexter Lawrence here. But this isn't the best way to start a drive. This is a 14-yard gain to set up another. It could have been a negative play. That's the whole thing. With Dexter Lawrence's pressure, that really could have been a big drive tone-setting negative play. Instead, it turns into, like you said, a 14-yard gain. Exactly. And then the Ravens just come out and run an RPO on the next play. A lot of space for this RPO. A ton of space. We'll see it a little bit better on the sideline angle. You see, the Giants now here are nickel personnel. This wasn't something they were in so much so far. There was much more, I would say, defensive backs on the field, but you're having some run, some successful runs at this point, not nearly as successful as they're going to get. So Giants roll out nickel. And how do the Ravens combat that? They throw an RPO to Devin DuVernay with blockers in space and have Devin DuVernay outrun Jalen Smith, a linebacker to the sidelines. You can see the chess match between the personnel that the Giants are rolling out there relative to what the Ravens are doing offensively. Yep. And now that's back-to-back chunks of 14 and 14 yards. Uh, And then here we get to another first and 10 after that. And we have a great play here by Kayvon Thibodeau to make sure this isn't what could have been a really big play for the Ravens. Instead, it's a four-yard gain. Could have been a huge play. And the Giants are in too high, so the Ravens are going to run the football again. And they go with a zone read run to J.K. Dobbins, who ends up basically getting benched for health concerns a little bit later on in the game. But watch Kayvon Thibodeau here. So it's a zone read. So Kayvon Thibodeau is going to step down. He's the read defender. He is not going to be the player who is blocked. He steps down, which forces Lamar Jackson to hand the football off. Because why would he run it right into Kayvon Thibodeau, right? But when... Lamar Jackson hands the football off to J.K. Dobbins. Kayvon Thibodeau just pivots off of his inside foot, gets outside of J.K. Dobbins somehow, boxes him inside, and then just swings him to the deck very violently. This is a very, very good individual effort from Kayvon Thibodeau that requires a lot of thinking, decisiveness, processing, and knowing your assignment. And he executed multiple assignments on this play, Dan. That's one of the things I love the most about it. Yeah, and it shows his explosive athleticism because he sets inside to make sure Lamar Jackson can't keep it. Then he has to rush and run and really just get that zero to 60 burst to get to the outside to, like you said, wall him off and force Dobbins back inside. Then once he forces him back inside, he's still able to recover and make the tackle all on his own. This is not like a help tackle. This is all him with an individual tackle here. So this really, truly was an excellent individual play by Kayvon Thibodeau. And he knows that you can see him celebrate that play after that. That's something the coaches will look at. And even though we, you know, an average fan might be like, oh, it was a four-yard gain. He just made a tackle. The reality is if the coaches are looking at that, they're like, this is one of the best plays you probably made all game. Exactly. That's exactly right. He, The coaches would praise that play because it's a threat when you have somebody athletic enough to make an offense pay. Like we say a lot on, on zone reads, the offense is tasked to make the defense wrong no matter what. Well, on that play, Kayvon Thibodeau was right no matter what. He eliminated Lamar Jackson from running right. the football and he made the tackle as the read defender. It doesn't happen all that often. Excellent. Okay, we got this second and six play here where the Ravens will just kind of hit um, Mark Andrews here for what looks like a 17-yard gain. Over the middle of the field. And you saw on the end zone angle, Dexter Lawrence runs through pass rush by him. Tyler Linderbaum. And I, like I said, I praised Tyler Linderbaum at the top of the show because he was an asset as a run blocker, as we're going to see. But he struggled with this power, man. And who wouldn't at this point? Dexter Lawrence is playing at an unreal level. And another nice throw by Jackson, despite being in traffic off platform. Um, 
you know, moving to his right, throws that back across his body into space where Andrews can catch it. He has so much trust in Mark Andrews. They have such an incredible rapport. They really do. And I think Ryder Anderson gets credited for a pressure on this play against Ben Powers. So I want to give Ryder Anderson, and I, I don't think he played that many snaps. I think it might have been like four, but I'm not going off of a sheet. I'm going off my memory. Yeah, well, one in four snaps and you get a pressure. That's not bad. Um, but they they obviously convert for a big play here, 17 yards. Sets up this first and 10 here. Um, this is a five-man rush here that was interesting because you have a five-man pass rush, but you also have O'Shane Izimunen's sink. So I thought that was a really interesting design there. Um, and this is just a pure miss by by Mar, uh, by Lamar Jackson. Mar- Mark Andrews wins this route. He gets the separation he needs here. This should have been a touchdown throw, in my opinion, by Lamar Jackson, but the ball placement is off. And the Giants come out here, too. It looks pre-snap, like cover three, middle of the field closed, but it ends up kind of turning into one of those Tampa two robber, yeah. inverted cover two type of plays. And I'm wondering if that was the specific play call. Because you have Fabian Moreau and then the apex defender, who is Julian Love kind of taking deep halves. Dane Belton is that middle of the field closed defender. He steps down and he is the player responsible for Mark Andrews, who just right. looks so explosive on this play. But he doesn't take a deep half. He doesn't take a deep anything. He's basically playing that inverted cover to middle of the field close pre-snap look, which is just basically a middle hook drop with a little bit more depth, like a Tampa 2 uh, Mike linebacker kind of responsibility only from a safety pre-snap. And he gets burnt on this play because he sees Mark Andrews coming, and I think he believes Mark Andrews is going to flatten his route out. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see Dane Belton kind of set to the outside, but then by setting to the outside and anticipating Mark Andrews flattening his route, that just gives Mark Andrews easy access right up the field with right. leverage and speed and momentum. So this Giants got away with one again here. And I'm not here to poo-poo the Giants, but several weeks against former MVPs, in Aaron Rodgers' case, a two-time MVP, there have been big throws that have been left on the field by the opposing quarterbacks. And that's just something that I'm glad is happening at this point. Yeah, and it, it's we'll take we'll take it anyway we can get it. This second and ten here was actually I thought a really good play position wise by Tate Crowder here, um, and just overall nice little run stop for the Giants. It was just a simple zone read. Lamar Jackson hands the football off. Tate Crowder kind of ends up getting bodied, but in getting bodied, he he gets in the way of of two blockers and then somewhat trips up J.K. Dobbins. If you look at the play, Tate Crowder bends around. This is a very impressive position by Tay Crowder. Patrick Ricard is is one of the big tight ends on the outside of the double Y set. And he goes to block down on Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder just dips his outside shoulder and, and absolutely sheds Ricard. Ricard just slips right off Tay Crowder. And then Tay Crowder gets annihilated by the backside puller. But then there's really nowhere for J.K. Dobbins to go because all of his blockers are on the ground because of Tay Crowder. And then Julian Love and Justin Ellis end up just wrapping J.K. Dobbins up and falling on him. And that'll set up here a third and eight situation here. I don't know why Dane Belton has that assignment or how exactly across and try to and try to have yeah look at look at Belton trying to trail him, but it's just quick motion and they snap it before Belton can get. get I think this might be one reason why we didn't see this formation, this this unique three guys over the nose formation again because Kenyon Drake and this is a good adjustment by Greg Roman. Lamar Jackson sends Kenyon Drake opposite of the two receiver side and there's no defender who can go on Kenyon Drake. So Dane Belton's task to run all the way from the other side of the field to account for him. And Xavier McKinney also comes down, but there's just way too much yardage that's surrendered here. I think that look by the giants confuses the offensive protection, but at the same time, it seemed to confuse the coverage of the New York giants in some, some manner. I suppose at least. 
Yeah, and that's a big one on third and eight because it leads to this 30-yard touchdown run right after. And in this conversion that keeps the drive alive and then leads to this 30-yard touchdown run here for Kenyon Drake. Yeah, and let's look at exactly what happens. The Ravens are in split back with Ricard, who ends up taking out Jihad Ward, the end man on the line of scrimmage. And it's almost like the blocking is just so perfect that there's nothing the Giants can do. And some of this is because of what the Giants did post-snap. Because the Giants pre-snap a line, Nick Williams as a five technique, and then Justin Ellis is a one technique. And then on the backside of the play, you have Leonard Williams essentially as a four-eye technique. So it's not a true tight front. And you have Jihad Ward as the edge, Julian Love, and Tay Crowder as the quote-unquote linebackers. But if you look at the blocks, Nick Williams slants inside from his five technique position, which allows Morgan Moses to do whatever he wants as a blocker. So he essentially takes himself out of the play. It's not necessarily on Nick Williams, but it's just the reality of the play calls at the time. And that also gives Mark Andrews easy access to climb up the Tay Crowder. And now you have the backside puller who locates Julian Love, and there's no one in sight for the New York Giants to fill this gap because all the blocks are well executed. And what the Giants did post-snap kind of bit them in the rear end. And if you look before the play, it looks like McKinney is trying to point to somebody. It looks like the he he feels like the Giants might not be set. They might not be in position. But by that point, the ball's already snapped. You can, you can see that right there. He's actually counting the players because yep. there's only 10 guys on the field. Oh, this was another one where there's only 10 guys on the field for the Giants? I think so. Now, we're going to go over this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, there's only 10 guys yep. on the field. McKinney is counting it. He, like, he's yelling for a timeout. You yep. can see that right there. I'm telling you, man, McKinney's sharp, dude. This is the second play in a row or second game in a row where where he's realizing something is not right. And then he's and then a big play ends up happening. Last time it was like a 12 yard pass to Josiah DeGuara, but this one, there's somebody there not to not accounting for this gap. And it ends up being a touchdown run by Kenyon Drake. Yeah, and so that puts seven points on the board for the Ravens he's still here. Counting too. <laughs> so like, what the hell? He's like, what the hell? There's only 10 of us. You could see him at the end there. Like, is that did that really just happen? Did we just really have a play again with 10 guys on the field? Um, the answer is it's yeah. It's happening too much at this point. I mean, the Giants are winning, so we're not going to remember it. But if they were losing, we'd be killing them for this. Yeah, 100 Killing them for it. So we have to at least bring it up and chastise the coaching staff. For, and they, you need to be a little bit better with your personnel. Yep, 100%. All right, we move on to the next drive here. At this point, it's 7-7. The Giants put a touchdown on the board. And the Ravens have an eight-play, 59-yard field goal drive. Eight-play, 59-yard field goal drive. We'll get the film up right here. And this one starts off with a really nice release off the line of scrimmage by Devin Duvernay. And this would have been an easy completion for the Ravens. But Dexter Lawrence gets his hand on the football. Yeah, see that release by Devin Duvernay against Fabian Moreau. Whew. But I think it's also based on, and you could tell me if that's right, Nick. Maybe it's also based on the way that Moreau's playing this coverage based on the the pre-snap help he has over the top. Do you think that's possibly part of it? It could be. I mean, he doesn't look like he has any sort of outside shade on Devin yeah. Duvernay. He looks like he's about right over the top of it. Right. I just think Duvernay steps on a million ants right there, which basically means he fires his feet to keep Fabian Moreau, I guess, guessing. But Fabian Moreau is already kind of committing his hips to an outside release. So Fabian Moreau's hips are completely open by the po- before De- Devin Duvernay releases inside. And then he does a solid job with a speed turn and closing width, but this could have been like a 15 yard game, but credit to Dexter Lawrence for tipping this pass and Leonard Williams hands were right in the area too. So credit to him as well. There's another false start after this leading to a second and 15. That's four by my count of false starts for the Ravens here. Uh, And then once again, they're just able to find Andrew Mark Andrews over the middle of the field, which was a common, common concept for this Ravens offense. 
And this one's a little bit different too, because look at the release yeah. of Mark Andrews at the top of his break. The top of Mark Andrews' break, he's just acting like he's blocking on the backside, acting like he's blocking, and then he goes into his route and accelerates to kind of get around Jalen Smith here and also allow the safety to gain a certain depth so he's not getting absolutely killed at the catch point. And I feel like the safety actually read it pretty well. It's not like the safety dropped too much further than he had to be, and that safety is Xavier McKinney, who also had a really good game here. You can see he's reading it. That's just a really nice play by the Baltimore Ravens, and geez, the Giants really struggled to cover the middle of the field against this guy. Yep. And then here comes another big run. The Giants get gashed on here. Just the, just the zone read here uh, ends up being a 30-yard gain for Kenyon Drake. I was wondering um, what maybe both Jalen Smith and Dane Belton were doing on this one just because it felt like they kind of neither of them took that gap and they both kind of flowed over the top of this one. What are your thoughts on 54 and 24 on this one? I'm not sure who has a responsibility to set outside, but somebody right. messed up. Somebody yeah, definitely they both can't set outside. It doesn't make sense that they're both at setting outside. And this is one of the plays that I wanted to highlight about Tyler Linderbaum because he's the center on this play. And watch him. Tyler Linderbaum snaps the ball, goes around two pinning offensive linemen, and then just That's picks up yep. Jalen Smith. That is an amazing play by the rookie center. And one reason why they drafted a 290-pound guy when they have like 350-pound offensive linemen and just crazy stuff like that around him. But if you're watching the play, this is an excellent cutback by Kenyon Drake. Good blocking up front. But in my opinion, I think it would be on Dane Belton to fill because Dane Belton's coming from the far side. Right. He's following the motioning Patrick Ricard, who goes to kick out to Mon Fox here. And I'm not sure if there's a rule built into the defense. Like if it's a motioning guy and you have the momentum just set outside Jalen Smith, you switch off and then you take the primary gap. I'm again, not really a hundred percent sure, but one of those two blew their assignment. And I got to say, Kenyon Drake, very good adjustment here on this run. Cause if he bounced it outside, he was done, but he followed Tyler Linderbaum's block and this ends up going for 30 freaking yards because one defender at the second level misplayed their assignment. Yeah, exactly. That could have been a no gain or like a two yard gain if Smith if Smith or Belton had played that right. So said it leads to a 30 yard gain. And then you have this first and send situation where once again, Mark Andrews does a really good job just finding the space. He just he's just so good at finding space at that second level behind the linebackers. He kept doing it all game. Here's another example of it. It's a great example of it. He fights through the contact of Jalen Smith and then just positions himself right in the voided area. And if you look at the route concepts, you see Kayvon Thibodeau as the guy in the one middle hook, kind of taking care of Demarcus Robinson right here, if you want to call it a middle hook. And he's occupied by Demarcus Robinson. So you're not going to have that defender drop to the depth to eliminate Mark Andrews as he works over the middle of the field. So again, good scheming by the Baltimore Ravens here to free up their elite tight end. Yeah, he really is an elite tight end. Just watching him in this game, you could just see how damn good he is. Then we have this first and 10 situation here. Giants send a little bit of a blitz, five-man blitz. Um, the Ravens, I think what they want here is the wheel route to Drake, but actually Jalen Smith does a pretty good job, given where he starts pre-snap, of, of getting in a good position to cover this route. Yeah, this play jumped out at me for Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is more towards the right hash pre-snap, Giving a little bit of ground to Kenyon Drake, I would say, just a little bit, who is offset of Lamar Jackson in the shotgun. And Kenyon Drake accelerates, and Jalen Smith just closes his angle down really, really quickly and forces Lamar Jackson to take the underneath route. Very athletic and good play by Jalen Smith, showing that range that he has overall. Let's watch Lamar Jackson's eyes, Dan, to see if he is peering at this Kenyon Drake wheel route, which I think he is. 
It looks like, yeah, he definitely did. And then he yeah. came off of it and fat went to his third read. That's yeah, three progressions off, right there. He comes off fast of reads. I mean, look at, look at it. He does a great job here. He sees it. It's not there. He comes off it, goes to the next read. It's not there. And then comes back really quick to that third read. For those watching on the all 22, I, I love to see the quarterback's eyes. Here. You just see yeah. like the stripe of their helmet, essentially in the logo. You can see right now his eyes are going to Kenyon Drake and he sees Jalen Smith have such a good beat on it that he comes off. And now he's going to Mark Andrews on the cross to see if Mark Andrews is going to come open right here. But he sees Tay Crowder right in the throwing window. So now he gets to his third guy and sees that the third guy, Josh Oliver, I believe that is, has leverage on Julian Love and it ends up going for a short gain. But that's quick processing right there from Lamar Jackson, especially with Dexter like, Lawrence again. Like processing from a guy who's been knocked for not processing which is absolutely absurd when you watch plays like that where he's moving that fast to the read i mean after he comes down to the cross and come and then decides really lightning quick to not go to that mark andrews cross he then is basically already releasing the football he knows he has that third read with josh oliver so really and good i love there. i love that you brought that up because this is something that we're seeing in kafka and Dable's offense with right. Daniel Jones, right? Like the two crossing routes right there. You can look and you can see there's going to be that one defender who's sitting in the middle hook area. It's not necessarily that's his true assignment because Tate Crowder's also just tasked to spy, I think, Lamar Jackson on this play and also take anything coming over the middle of the field. But since you have both of those horizontal crossing routes coming there, Lamar Jackson's eyes can go in that area and he can see, okay, that guy's not open, but now my eyes are already in this area and I see the third read is there to make. And that's right. exactly what Lamar Jackson does here. And we see similar concepts being kind of infiltrated into the Giants offense. And we're seeing Daniel Jones starting to come along in that area as well. For sure, without a doubt. And for those of you who, who didn't get a chance to hear it, check out our offensive podcast breakdown of the film. We go over some examples of Daniel Jones doing exactly that. Okay, here we have a second and long situation. Um, this is another one where, you know, we talked earlier about Lamar Jackson missing that throw to Mark Andrews. This is probably one he also wants to have back on this corner route to Devin DuVernay because I think it's a tough throw. Don't get me wrong. But this is a throw that he can make and has made before. He definitely can make this throw. And Lamar Jackson, dating back to the Sunday night game against the Bengals, right. I feel like his accuracy has been a little bit awry. It was in this yep. game as well. Because this is cover two. And what do you want to run against cover two? You want to run a seven route that's going to find space between the flat defender and the cornerback taking the deep half. And that's exactly what Devin DuVernay does here. And Fabian Moreau, he sinks, but then he's held by Josh Oliver coming across the middle of the field. So that just kind of holds him in place a little bit. If you're watching on YouTube, you see Fabian Moreau stop just a little bit. And DuVernay does a good job selling the inside fake out of the break and then turning his head. And there is space right there for Lamar Jackson to put the football, but Lamar just put way too much mustard on this ball and sails it out of bounds. It's just little things like that. Like if Daniel Jones did that, we would be we would be crapping the crap out of Daniel Jones for that. So you want to see him be a little bit more precise with his ball placement here. Sure. And that will lead to a third and long situation where the Giants are able to, this was a really big stop in this game to force them to a field goal because after that, after the Drake run and after the, the pass to Andrews, you thought maybe they could score a touchdown here. And this is just good, really good coverage here by the Giants and a good five-man pressure. It is a good five-man pressure. And, Mark Andrews probably could have caught this football. It hits Mark Andrews coming from the backside of the bunch in a mesh type of concept with the Giants and a cover one defense. But Mark Andrews doesn't end up coming down with it. And you have some solid pressure from the New York Giants. This is a third and 10 play here. Let's see how the pressure really develops. Tay Crowder. I'm looking at Tay Crowder who ends up coming through the A-gap. And this is something the Giants have done all season, right? They'll look like they're blitzing just to sell the blitz to get the quarterback thinking that the pressure is going to be there. But 
honestly, that's not what they're doing. Like you see Tay Crowder, he's coming, but his assignment is Kenyon Drake. And you can see how he just takes Kenyon Drake. He comes off the blitz after looking like he's aggressively coming on the blitz. And then he just attaches to Kenyon Drake. So now I wouldn't exactly point, call it attaching to Kenyon Drake, but yeah, attempting, attempting to, to attach, attach yeah. Kenyon Drake. And then just is completely out of position when Drake bounces back inside. He's not exactly Velcro, but it looks at this point right here, like it's going to be a six man pressure. So Lamar Jackson's like, Oh crap, you know, I got to get rid of the football, but then you see how Tay Crowder takes Kenyon Drake instead of just green dogging, he's going to go with his assignment in that, in that area. And you can see you have one-on-one matchups just hat on hat across the line of scrimmage. And I feel like the Ravens do a solid job right here. Leonard Williams swims and puts Kevin Zeitler on the ground. That's former teammate on teammate crime right there. Kayvon Thibodeau tries to slant inside. They're just running a little TE twist. The throw is, is very catchable. It's not a perfect pass. You would like it a little bit more outside, not as high, but a very catchable ball. And luckily the Giants are able to force a field goal. Yep. And then there's three plays before the end of the half after the Giants don't go anywhere on theirs. There's a Dexter Lawrence sack that we might want to throw up there. Um, and then they kind of just complete one more pass and run it into the half. Yeah, let's go over that Dexter Lawrence sack because sure. we want to see Dan's favorite dance, the sexy Dexy. Damn, dude, this 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 guy. I'm so happy that he's doing. It. He does this against Kevin Zeitler, his former teammate. Like four, at least four of these just unbelievable one-on-one pass rush wins already in a half. And that's exactly what you said for so long. If you're going to spend the 17th pick, you want to do it in the Dave Gettleman voice, you can, because I know the listeners love that. But if you're going to spend the 17th pick on an interior defensive lineman, he needs to be able to get pressure. And this dude is getting pressure. And watch how he does it, man. Just so efficiently gets his hands to where they need to be, gets that rip move landed. Yeah. And it just creates the separation on Kevin Zeitler, who is a good offensive guard in the NFL. Like he's using his power there, using his power, using his power. Also using that outside hand to right. push the outside shoulder and stress the edge of Kevin Zeitler. And then he just brings the inside hand right there and then watch him turn the corner. Look at that flexibility for a 350 pound guy to turn that tight corner right there and get yeah, he's the sack. Done a great job of closing on these sacks as well this year. Like he's done a great job. Like you said, showing the flexibility and the bend and like Gettleman said, credit to Gettleman, that ability to flip his hips and then close down on the quarterback. And that's basically the end. There's just yeah. one play that ended up going for 10 yards and then a six yard rush. But that goes, that gets us to halftime, Dan. Yep. And then we roll into this half and the Ravens get the football back. If the Giants don't do much with it. Um, and they go on this eight play 64 yard drive with Giants once again, hold them to a field goal. So that's field goal, field goal, basically for their last two effective drives, not including that one right before halftime. But this is a big drive because they hold them from and you'll see as we get to it, there were opportunities for Ravens to score a touchdown here and they would have then went up 17 seven. But instead, the Giants keep it close here and they keep it 13 seven by by holding them to a field goal. But yes, it starts with this big run. Starts with a big run and we're like, oh crap, like what the heck's going on here? Like you hate to see this, right? And you can see what exactly happens here with the the Giants defensive line. You're going to have again, Jihad Ward shoot inside. See how he shoots inside of Josh Oliver to plug this C gap. And then you have Jalen Smith kind of scrape and replace to contain, but he gets kicked out. And now you have Julian Love against the backside guard for the second time in about a quarter. Yeah. And it ends up springing a huge Kenyon Drake run right there for 21 yards. Scrape and replace did not work in these situations. And also, Josh Oliver is just using the momentum of Jihad Ward against him, pinning him way down. Now, Josh Oliver's a good blocking tight end, but also it's the path of Jihad Ward there that kind of right. ends up getting exploited. Yep. I want to see what happens to Tate Crowder here. 
Jay Crowder is just slow to pro- process what exactly is going on because the mesh point has to worry about Lamar Jackson, but he's not reading the backside guard and the H back coming across. That's something that the Ravens did the entire first half. You would want him to react a little bit better to that, but you could see he doesn't start reacting until number 79 is right in his face. Right. Ronnie Stanley is right in his face and he's not there to help out Jalen Smith. Like I said, you need these linebackers to bail each other out when one of them is out of position or one of them is eliminated and just take Crowder just doesn't do that consistent enough. Yeah. The left tackle there, Ronnie Stanley climbs to second level, not, and then, engages with Tate Crowder and completely takes him out of the play. Even once Crowder tries to spin off of him to get free, Staley's right there. And so, you know, that's just another example of Crowder, uh, you know, making a play that's probably they would grade as a negative for Tate Crowder. Here you have a really interesting sidearm throw there, really interesting arm slot, but really it's just Mark Andrews again, finding a nice spot to get open. Jihad Ward almost gets home here, stressing the edge. Another first and 10 play action. Giants end up sending six on this play. Mark Andrews, man, just a route adjustment here. I'm not yeah. sure if this is, this is, it looks like it's built into the playbook because both of the receivers on that side, the two receiver side end up doing it, but you can see how Mark Andrews releases, like he wants to go inside and Julian Love is walling him off. As you can see, Julian Love's like, no, 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 son, you're not going inside. I'm going to force you outside. And then Mark Andrews bends around Julian Love. Like he's going to go inside. So Julian Love is buying it so much. And then you get the Mike Evans push off a little bit work back outside. Great route adjustment by Mark Andrews. They're like, why would Mark Andrews want to go inside at all? You have Dane Belton helping. You, you want to go outside at, at this point. You know, it, it almost worked to his advantage. The fact that that Julian Love was walling him off in the beginning of the play. Yep. I love how you broke that down. But fortunately for the Giants, it goes for a 14 yard gain. And again, they, they had a lot of chunk gains in this game. We're talking about 21 yard runs, 30 yard runs, 14 yard gains over and over with Andrews. And then right here, we get an 18 yard gain here with the with the giant uh with the raven just hitting throw. andrews with a nice back shoulder into cover three this is such a good throw just attack the seams and yep. this is three what you want to see when we talk about quarterbacks attacking zone coverage into the honey into those little hole shots and against zone coverage that's an that's a hole shot right there by lamar jackson that's him ripping the ball back shoulder into a hole shot yeah his his receiver is gonna have to take a big hit here but that's fine it's mark andrews he, he knows he can hold on to the football you can see how the Giants are starting to account for Mark Andrews, too, because right. what does Kevon Thibodeau do? Thibodeau sinks into coverage here. He doesn't come. He sinks into coverage right over the top of where Mark Andrews is aligned, but it still doesn't matter because this is just a phenomenal throw by Lamar Jackson and, and a really good catch body adjustment and just toughness from Mark Andrews to take the shot from Xavier McKinney and hold on to the football. And then after that, it's another chunk gain for the for the. Baltimore Ravens here with an 11-yard zone read here. Zone read's difficult to stop when Lamar Jackson is on the field. Giants had been doing a pretty damn good job of it. They'd been they've been executing their assignments, picking the right spots. Here, though, Kayvon Thibodeau slants right inside, and that just frees up an easy lane for Lamar Jackson to decide to keep the ball and then take the free yardage. Yeah, this is a difficult to defend because right. it's not just like a normal zone read. It's a zone read that we saw, I think, two or three times already, but it's when Kenyon Drake goes directly in front of Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson is square to the line of scrimmage. So the way Kayvon Thibodeau slants inside of Patrick Ricard really puts Xavier McKinney, who is the replaced defender in such a bind here. And you can see Xavier McKinney has to respect Kenyon Drake, but he has to try to keep that rushing lane narrow enough with a lead blocker coming to, to negate Lamar Jackson. And that just doesn't have, it's a very tough assignment for Xavier McKinney. And this ends up going for 11 yards. So you had, Four straight plays, Dan, of first down pickups right wow. here. It sets up this. Yeah, 21, 14, 18, line. and 11. 
It's insane. But it's been it really a great defense because they get this first and goal and the Giants are able to hold them to three points again. And I freaking love this play right here. And I love the sequence of plays. This is one of the most important sequence of plays in the game. So you have the Giants first and goal at the five-yard line. Watch how the Giants free up Tay Crowder right here to rush in a wide open A-gap and put the pressure on Lamar Jackson who ends up underthrowing Devin DuVernay for an incomplete pass. The Giants have... Jihad Ward, Nick Williams, and Dexter Lawrence to the left side of the offensive formation. Tay Crowder is to that side as well. And the Giants are going to use the release of Nick Williams and Dexter Lawrence to basically free up Tay Crowder right into the A-gap. And on the back side, you have Leonard Williams, who is aligned as a four technique. So what you need to do is open Tyler Linderbaum to his left with Dexter Lawrence and then engage Leonard Williams with Kevin Zeitler on the right side. That's exactly what happens. You can see Leonard Williams aligned over the tackle. He doesn't pay attention to the tackle. He runs right into Kevin Zeitler right here. Dexter Lawrence draws Tyler Linderbaum away from this A-gap, opening up the A-gap, and then Kenyon Drake just blows his blitz assignment if he was in protection, which I think he was here. Doesn't even see Tay Crowder coming, and this allows Tay Crowder to come in unabated for a pressure. You broke that down excellently, Nick. The pressure is the reason for the errant throw here. Lamar Jackson can't set up. He's If you even watch Lamar Jackson, look at his footwork on this throw. He doesn't want to be throwing it like this. Watch. Boom, 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 step, step. Completely off balance. Left foot ahead of the right foot. Back. Basically a fadeaway throw by Lamar Jackson. And what happens on a fadeaway throw? Well, you'll see it. The ball dies down on him. It's just falling backwards, exactly. And I think it's it's the pre-snap alignment and it's the path. And we're going to see this on the third down play too. It's the pre-snap alignment and the path of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams that open up this A-gap. And then you just got to count on Kenyon Drake blowing his assignment and that actually happened. And even if Kenyon Drake executed his assignment there, Tay Crowder is going to do enough to at least pressure Lamar Jackson. Yep, exactly. So then they have a second and goal situation here. The Ravens try to... Once again, run a little play action here. And this was an interesting play here because the Giants had a real good opportunity to make an interception here. Dane Belton makes an excellent play on this. This is an interesting window that Lamar Jackson tried to throw this into. I don't know if he just didn't notice Dane Belton there or he just felt like he could throw it into this window over the top of Belton. But Belton gets his hands on it, tips. It then tips off Mark Andrews, and it looks like um, Moreau almost gets a chance to intercept it. It does, man. Two Giants almost intercept this pass. But what Lamar Jackson is thinking here, Giants are running a lot of man coverage in this area of the field, but the Giants don't necessarily run a man coverage here. They're just matching to the routes that are near their zone. They're essentially, what it reminded me of, was somewhat of the pesky zone defense that Kirk Ferentz runs at Iowa. Ooh, I like that Right. Ball. So now watch Dane Belton. This is something that we... Dane Belton had interceptions like this during his final season at Iowa. Lamar Jackson sees Dane Belton take the crossing route from Patrick Ricard initially. You could see how right here, if you're watching on YouTube, Dane Belton, right as Ricard is starting to get into his route, pivots outside and then starts to flow outside. So right now, Lamar Jackson is thinking, oh, I can just flip this to Mark Andrews, throw it the anticipation. But Dane Belton's watching Lamar Jackson's eyes, and he also knows Mark Andrews is his favorite target coming from the backside. So he stays in the zone throwing window and allows Patrick Ricard to do whatever, flashes his eyes to Mark Andrews, puts himself right into the throwing window, and then narrowly comes away with this interception. It's a great play by Dane Belton. But again, it's also Lamar Jackson trying to throw into a place where he anticipated Dane Belton to not be there anymore. But Dane Belton just 
reset himself right into that position, knowing that Mark Andrews was coming from the backside on a cross. Yep. Such a good heady play by a rookie Dane Belton there. And great stop here for the Giants. You want the interception ultimately, but it's a close bang, bang play. He almost gets this interception row and you could tell he's pissed. He didn't get it as well. It goes right through Dane Belton's hands too, man. It's just like, damn it. Two, two giants. This ball was touched by three. This was a loved ball, but nobody wanted it. You know, it was shown so much love, but nobody wanted it, man. There you go. And sets up this third and goal situation where the giants come up with what I think is probably one of the biggest stops of the game. Again, Holding up the three here makes such a big difference in just the feel of the game, the flow of the game. You can see Lamar Jackson pressed outside early. Uh, and, you know, he likely is asking for the pass interference at the end of this play, but it's not a defensive pass interference whatsoever. It's no, it's not at all. Love this play call, this play design, too. So we talk about wasting blockers, right, Dan? Yep. Watch O'Shane's and Menace to the left of the screen for those on YouTube. Watch what he does. He steps aggressively forward towards Ronnie Stanley. And what does that do? That forces Ronnie Stanley's attention to O'Shane Zimenez. And then O'Shane Zimenez sinks underneath the routes from the backside. Now, we'll, go, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But what ends up happening after O'Shane Zimenez occupies Ronnie Stanley, Tay Crowder blitzes the B-gap. You have the nose technique, Dexter Lawrence, release through the inside shoulder of Ben Powers, that center. So now you have the tackle and the guard occupied with blockers and an open B-gap with Tay Crowder running directly through it. The Giants also send Dane Belton right through the A-gap. But in order to occupy Tyler Linderbaum, they release the four-eye technique from the other side of the formation. Leonard Williams right into Tyler Linderbaum. So now you have a two-versus-one against Mike Davis in protection with Tay Crowder coming through the B-gap and Dane Belton coming through the A-gap. And honestly, Tay Crowder nails Mike Davis here, but what happens, Mike Davis falls into Dane Belton. So both of them end up getting eliminated, but now we should get back to O'Shane Zimenez here because this is where it's important. The pressure gets home. Lamar Jackson ends up flowing out of the pocket and rolling towards O'Shane Zimenez. But O'Shane Zimenez is sitting there essentially as an underneath defender for these backside routes while also spying Lamar Jackson to contain him. And you can see, at this point, for those watching on YouTube, Lamar Jackson wants to throw this crossing route. Isaiah likely has leverage right. on that defender. He wants to throw this crossing route, but he can't because O'Shane Zimenez is sitting in the throwing window. So he has to continue to extend and extend and force O'Shane Zimenez to pressure Lamar Jackson to allow Isaiah likely to come open away from the window. So this presence of O'Shane Zimenez right here not only manipulated the protection by occupying Ronnie Stanley, allowing the pressure to get home, but also got in the way of the throwing window for Isaiah Likely and Lamar Jackson. And then O'Shane Zimenez pressures Lamar Jackson on that same play, forcing this pass that was a little bit errant, catchable, but a little bit errant, man. This is such a great individual effort by O'Shane Zimenez, but it's because of the coaching. It's it's just the role. It's the assignment that he executed that is so freaking brilliant. And these are the reasons why O'Shane Zimenez is on this roster and not Quincy freaking Roche. Yeah, and you could see so many great things happening on this from the start. You know, the Giants forcing the quarterback out of the pocket early, also forcing him to not be able to roll any to not to not be able to like step up into the pocket. He has to roll opposite shoulder to his left. Then you have a Shane Zimenez not only taking away passing lanes for him, but also operating, like you said, as a spy, as a blitzer to prevent Lamar Jackson from just cruising on into the end zone on his own and running it in. So ultimately, the, the end goal is Lamar Jackson has to make a throw off balance while rolling to his opposite shoulder to his left. And it's an errant throw. 
right there. Oh, I just love this play, man. I was like jumping. When I was watching the All-22, I was like, dude, this is so cool. I did a breakdown on Big Blue View if anybody wants to go and see it. It's up there right now. And you can even see what Ronnie Stanley, how he steps. He takes two steps up the pass rushing arc to pay attention to Oshane Zimenez. And then he's like, oh, crap, the B-gap's open. And he tries to get a hand on Tay Crowder, and he just can't. So the pocket is compromised at that point, man. Like just great scheme by Wink Martin. Waste blockers, man. That's what he does. It's what he does. And I freaking love it. Yep. Manipulate the offensive line. That's been the go-to for, for this defense the entire season. So huge goal line stand there by the Giants. Force them to a field goal. But the Ravens do get the ball back after that and go on another really long drive. This one ends up in a touchdown. So at this point, it's... 13-10, I believe, or yeah, 13-10 Ravens, um, and they go on an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown run here. Yeah, and at this point of the game, I'm like, ah, you know, yeah, I was like, ah, you know, it was it was a good it was a good try, you know. I, that's that's how I was thinking at this point. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Giants are pesky, they're resilient, but can they really come back again? Well, they did. So I absolutely love that. But here is just a play action pass that ends up going incomplete. Doesn't seem like Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews were on the same exact page. I think Lamar Jackson wanted Mark Andrews to sit right there with Xavier McKinney screaming down and Mark Andrews kind of drifts a little bit into the contact. So I think Lamar Jackson was trying to prevent his guy from getting absolutely annihilated, but uh, Mark Andrews didn't read it as well. And on the second down play here, this was another unheralded play by Julian Love here. I just love how he, and you could see it from, nope, no pun intended. I think it's even better from the sideline angle how he just cuts off the angle here for Lamar Jackson, the way he plays this and gets him tripped up there. And if you look at it from here, you can kind of see Lamar Jackson's breaking to the outside. Love does an excellent job forcing him back inside while also cutting off the angle. And then the Giants pursuit can tackle him. And look, it's still a 25 yard run for Lamar Jackson. But if love doesn't come down here and make this and, and cut off that angle for Lamar Jackson, who knows? Who knows what this could have been? Or if he doesn't even get a piece of Lamar Jackson, who knows what this could have been? Because he forces him to cut back, gets a little piece of him. All that slows him down and takes away his lane and his alley toward the to the outside. Got to love the eye candy, too, from Greg Roman here. You have a motioning guy right in front of Lamar Jackson with Mike Davis in the backfield with him. Mike Davis flares out right at the snap, and that occupies Dane Belton and Jalen Smith. So both of those guys are eliminated and Lamar Jackson just keeps it on the zone read the entire Ravens offensive line blocks down. And there's really no one in sight right here to make a play on Lamar Jackson. This is just good offense over defense at this point. And I'm not sure what Jalen Smith was just completely fooled on this play. Jalen Smith runs himself out of the play. And this really was the reason and the impetus to this 25 yard rush by Lamar. Yep. We move forward here and we just got a little, Three-yard zone read counter rush. I feel like on this play, Kenyon Drake just ends up tripping. Yes, over Oshane's. I'm pretty sure Oshane's has shot his foot out. You can't really see it right here, but I'm pretty sure Oshane's yeah, has it there. He definitely, he definitely got away with the trip. Yeah, he purposefully trips up Kenyon Drake on this counter rush with three pulling guys to the play side. So the Giants were in position to at least play this. So it wasn't like the trip was too impactful, but still, that's another penalty the Giants got away with. Man, that happens quite a bit. I will say. You have a little bit of a run here for seven yards where Belton actually does a good job scraping over, but it's it's a nice seven-yard run for the first down for the Ravens. Belton gets truck-sticked by Kenyon Drake, yes, but this does. is a 
very impressive play by Dane Belton. Cause again, you only have one linebacker on the field, three down linemen, two edge rushers and Dane Belton reads what exactly is happening and then positions himself so well. And so quickly for those watching on YouTube, watch how quick Dane Belton gets into the gap. He sets reads gets there and he doesn't even turn. Yeah. He, he stays square to the line of scrimmage the entire time and just shuffles his feet. Like that is a very deceptively athletic play right there, how he's able to, to get to the desired gap. And he stops a huge run right here. It ends up being a seven yard gain. It's a solid run right there on this again, counter run with Ricard kicking out. And then the backside guard leading It's like the main run that the Ravens ran. They ran it so damn much yeah. against the giants. This was played very well by the rookie. There's no reason for them not to. They're picking up huge chunks all game. The giants never really stopped the Ravens run game. They just won the game with other, in other ways by shutting him down the red zone, forcing turnovers, and that was the the ultimate way that they could win this game. But here you have another little pass over the middle to likely, I believe this time it was, 11-yard gain, another chunk here uh, for the Ravens. Yeah, just a little cross against Dane yep. Belton. Another first down sets up another running play where KT gets pinned inside a little bit, I think. Is it this play? Yeah, this is the one where Thibodeau does get pinned inside. Thibodeau initially, he's the backside defender, and... It looks like he's just keeping his eye, and then he tries to close the the C gap with tight end Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews does a good job with a little bit of a hold on Kayvon Thibodeau to allow Kenyon Drake to kind of bounce around him. This ends up going for a nice gain right here. Kayvon Thibodeau, to his credit, comes off and ends up being one of the defenders in pursuit, but eventually Xavier McKinney runs Kenyon Drake out of bounds. And then there's another zone read here on first and 10. This one, actually, the Giants do a pretty good job of stopping for a two-yard gain. Yeah, you got to love how Jihad Ward, look at that right there from yeah, Jihad so Ward. So the Giants, this is an adjustment from Wink Martindale because all game, like we said, it's been power gap. It's been counter. The backside guard's going to pull. Patrick Ricard is going to come across the formation and attempt to kick you out. Well, kick this out. Jihad Ward flies. He screams down the line of scrimmage at the top of his lungs and he absolutely annihilates Patrick Ricard and turns this guy like a ballerina right here. Turns him. And then there's nowhere for for the backside guard who is following Ricard to go. He just gets held up right here. Essentially he gets squeaks through the hole, but he can't locate Jalen Smith. There's really nowhere for Kenyon Drake to run. So he just bounces everything outside. And then it's another scrape and replace with Jalen Smith playing contain. And Jalen Smith does a freaking great job locating Kenyon Drake and throwing him out of bounds. Yep. Two yard gain then sets up this touchdown little quick at quick game action slot fade. I actually think it's something we didn't complain about on the reaction pod. Maybe we should have, this should have been called a delay of game. The play clock yes. was at zero for what felt like at least one and a half seconds. They didn't call it. Would have put him in a second and 13. Instead, it's a touchdown. You can see Lamar, too. He's frantically clapping his hands. I'm surprised you don't see many giant defenders complaining. Great but it was something look, at, look at this ball by Lamar Jackson. I mean, this is a touch throw right over where it has to be the opposite shoulder. It's not inside to give the defensive back a chance to make a play on it. It's literally perfect ball placement. Such a good release, too, by Mark Andrews, who yeah, beats Fabian Moreau to the outside. This is a beautiful pass by Lamar Jackson right what before. A release by Andrews. Wow, I'm just watching that over again on Moreau. He just absolutely beats him off the line of scrimmage with that release and then just a per pinpoint perfect throw to the outside shoulder. And Fabian Moreau does a good job kind of playing through the catch yeah. point. It almost causes a PBU, but it's hard to dislodge the ball from Mark Andrews, especially when it's so well placed by Lamar Jackson. Like right here, you can see. And then you have Moreau get his hand in there, but still it doesn't even matter. Now, does the ball hit the ground there? Oh, Ponver. No, I'm just joking. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, then, 
And then the Giants actually respond with a 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to cut the game till 20-17. to And this is when the turning point in the game comes here because on this next drive, you have the interception here for the Giants. And I can't wait to watch it because it was so fun to watch on film. You saw after the game, Julian Love told reporters that he baited Lamar Jackson into the throw. And as you watch from that sideline angle on the film, it's exactly that. You can see it perfectly, and I'm excited for you guys to get a chance to see it. Here's the first down play. The Ravens are playing with house money at this point in just the sense that they're still in a comfortable space now. Right. The Giants just scored, but they're still they still have the lead. It's just like don't make dumb mistakes, essentially. And the bad snap or the bobbled snap, I should say, is one of the first dumb mistakes they make. But you can see they're they're gonna start moving the football. They have a nice gain on first down. It gets them into a second and one. Yeah. Second and one right here. But they just run the football and the Giants do a good job kind of swallowing it up. And the legal formation that they take on the second and five is just that's the game changing play. I mean it's that and it's also I'll show on the second the second and five has a couple that was actually on the third and one where they took the illegal formation. Yes, I mean, yes. But the second and five play by Adore Jackson, we'll get to it in a in a moment here. I think it's a, the next play after this one, or there might be two more plays. It might be a five yard run on a zone read. Um, and then then comes the play. But it's an unheralded, one, another unheralded play in this game. This is one of the only runs of the game where the Ravens didn't pull, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it could be because it's the end of the game. They want to spice things up. It also could be Jihad Ward and the way he played it before and how the Giants adjusted to it. But watch how the Giants play these types of runs. Dexter Lawrence just bench-pressing guys. Leonard Williams absolutely owning the point of attack. And then Jalen Smith shooting the A-gap right there to make this tackle. The one would suggest the way to beat the Giants in the run game is with pullers. What's that? I said one might surmise the way to beat the Giants in the run game is with pullers. Well, we've said it several times in the yeah, podcast that the Giants align in these tight fronts. You can block the tight front down and pull guys from the backside and eliminate three big bodies, essentially, because right. it's very That's hard to break down the down. Break out those three bod- the three players they need to from the play. We brought that up with Ken McCusick, too. Right. Like That could be an issue. Patrick Ram liked running the tight front, too, and that was one way that, that uh, teams had success against it's the Giants, too, whenever they decided to run outside. Yep. And flip to the sideline view for the second and five that comes just before the illegal formation on the third and one. And I'll just take I'll just tell you why I think this is such a big play. So focus in on the bottom of your screen at Dory Jackson. They run that underneath. Look at how fast he breaks down on the ball to make this tackle. Dory Jackson he has to close so much depth here, so much width here to get to the receiver. To, to, and then also... Not only does he have to close the, that that kind of space, he has to make the tackle short of the sticks, which he does. And so he makes this tackle, and it's about a four-and-a-half-yard gain, maybe a four-yard gain on a second and five. Then on the third and short, they take the penalty to go back in the third and five, and then on third and five, that's when the interception comes. If they don't get them into the third and five, third and one or third and five in the first place, none of that happens. It's a, it's a butterfly effect for sure. But none of it does happen without Adoree Jackson closing down on this play and making the tackle. It's a great observation, and it's something that jumped out to me as well because this is an inside release on a drag route where Adoree Jackson is about, what, seven yards, eight yards off the line of scrimmage with outside leverage. And the Ravens release Mark Andrews vertically and then Tylen Walls right underneath so much traffic. That is so much space to cover for Adoree Jackson. And he's so calm and he accelerates. He takes such a good angle. Great that angle. is such an amazing angle. Little plays like this can define a season. 
And we say it almost every single game, Dan, but this might be one of the most important plays of the game that no one freaking remembers. Yep, exactly. Nobody remembers it, but without it, they don't get that illegal formation. They don't go into this third and five situation where obviously the biggest play of the game comes with the interception. So just an excellent play there by Adoree Jackson. And also Kayvon Thibodeau stressing high side right there, forcing Lamar Jackson to step. That is such a good play. And you're right, man. Next play, the illegal formation. And then that sets up the third and five, which is huge for the Giants. Sideline angle for that. It's a fun one. So as Julian Love said, post game here, he tries to bait Lamar Jackson to making the throw. And then he does make the interception. Just watch Julian Love here at the bottom of your screen. He's going over like he's going to take that route. and just jumps in front of the route that it makes it seem like it's open for Lamar, but it's not. Such a good play. Such a good play by Kayvon. We'll show that in a second. But look at the Ravens formation. They're in empty quads. Four guys to the side. They motion Kenyon Drake almost to the backfield. And I'm wondering the center just snapped it early because Kenyon Drake isn't even set. The center ends up snapping this football. Lamar Jackson was not anticipating it. And you can see right here as I pause it, Dane Belton is in front of Patrick Ricard. And I think he's playing more Devin DuVernay. And Julian Love is outside. He's just kind of north of the 40-yard line. And watch Julian Love just kind of sit, sit, knows Patrick Ricard is there, and then he baits this throw. This is a terrible decision by Lamar Jackson to try to throw it to a 300-pound fullback while you're on the run. You have Xavier McKinney screaming down right at him again. It's a very, very bad throw by, or just decision by Lamar, but man, I'm happy that it ends up happening. Yeah, and exactly. And you could look at a game like this and you could say, well, who outplayed who? Lamar Jackson or Daniel Jones? And a case could be made that despite the fact Lamar Jackson made more big time throws in my mind, at least made tougher throws, moved the ball with way more consistency. He made the big mistakes that define this game versus Jones, who did not make the big mistakes. And Jones had instead the big throws on key drives that led to key points. And this is one of those big mistakes that if you don't make this mistake here, I don't know the giants win this football game. If he just gets out of there and then just says, you know, F it, I'm throwing it out of bounds. This is already a broken play, whatever, take the punt. I'm not so sure the Giants can win this football game. And so these are the types of key plays. And we'll talk about it on the next one, the fumble, uh, a mistake that Lamar makes as well on that one that leads to the fumble. But Julian Love baits him, makes the interception. And then I learned on this play, Nick, that, you know, in a pinch, if we needed him to, Julian Love might be able to be the Giants punt returner because his (laughs) after the interception return here is phenomenal. The cuts he makes in space. I mean, this could be done right here. He cuts back there. Breaks back to the outside. One more sharp cut, sharp cut cut again. Bang. Takes it all the way almost to the 10-yard line. Mike Breen over there. Bang. (laughs) I love a a good bang. um, Bang. Even Wink Martindale here, man, he he brings the pressure. He sends six, right? Like Xavier McKinney's not just coming because the snap's bad. Like his momentum's already coming before the ball even hits Lamar Jackson. And then he sees what happens and watch. He's right Lamar Jackson's face as Jackson turns. And then you have Tay Crowder coming, I think, just realizing what's going on to, to help cut this angle off. But throwing the football in this area against your body, like, like that's just, you can't do that. But man, Julian Love, great way to bait a superstar quarterback like Lamar Jackson. Yep, exactly right. All right, so now the Giants score off of that. It's now Giants have the football, that have the lead for the first time. Ravens get the ball back here. And this is when the big fumble comes Kayvon Thibodeau making the game. First, they try this inside little, little, little quick in-breaker. Ball's not really placed. Eh, I don't think it's a bad ball placement. It's just kind of a drop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here it is. Nothing too crazy here. And then here's the big sack. So 
on this play where I, I said before, you know, Lamar Jackson made a mistake here. What I think if you if you want to focus on what Lamar Jackson, I don't think did well is they teach you as a quarterback. Always keep two hands on the football when you're in the pocket. But more importantly, or in addition to that, not only do you want to keep two hands on the football, you don't ever want to drop the football because when you drop the football, it presents an easier target for the defensive back to or sorry for the edge rusher to knock the ball out. And that's exactly what Lamar does on this play. He takes two hands off the ball. And in addition to take two hands off the ball, he drops the ball. And that gives a nice striking target, a nice target for Thibodeau to come right in and just swipe that ball out. It's low. It's one. He's got one hand on it. And Thibodeau makes the play. It looks like the pressure to the the screen, the right side of the screen also kind of freezes Lamar right here a little bit. Like you have the pressure from Dexter Lawrence and Timon Fox. And then I'm not 100% certain what Lamar thought he saw here because he steps towards the that pressure right there. He might've felt cave on Thibodeau at this point, but you can see Thibodeau that, that bend right there. And let's, let's break down his pass rush. So he makes contact right here and he's working to the half man. And then he, at this point, the, the, the blockers hips are completely flipped. So Thibodeau has the leverage that he needs. And it looks like he uses that outside arm to break the contact of the outside arm of the tackle. And then he just brings his inside arm underneath and then watch the bend right there and the flexibility makes contact with the ball and ends up falling and the rest is history. And we'll watch it from the other angle too. Sometimes it slips off like, like we're seeing right now, but rookies stepping up, Dan rookies stepping up and you have two rookie edge rushers out here. One was the fifth overall pick in the draft. The other one was a UDFA. <laughs> Talk yeah. about faith in a guy like Tamon Fox. Yeah, exactly. Big snap here for Damon Fox. Big snap for Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously a career defining moment for him for sure. Game winning sack fumble. And the Giants are just in the middle of the field closed right here. And it looks like the Ravens run a slot fade up to the top of the screen and then a double hitch to the bottom of the screen. Lamar, I think he looks to the left to the slot fade to maybe see exactly what the safety is doing to see if he can hit that slot fade. But it ultimately doesn't even end up working. Let's look at his eyes. Yeah, he's looking to his left right there. Don't you love it though, Dan? Let's watch the salsa here in a second. From Kayvon Thibodeau, everybody. A lot of hip movement, too much hip movement. That's that's too exaggerated of a salsa <laughs> from a guy who who doesn't salsa dance, but unfortunately knows too much about salsa dancing because his girlfriend is Colombian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to some superlatives for the game and wrap this up. We'll start with the unheralded player of the game, Nick. Who was your unheralded player? See, I would have went with Julian Love because he made so many plays, but the, the interception makes him a player that you, you really can't mention in this light. I think Jalen Smith had a couple mistakes that would probably also take him away. Dexter Lawrence is Dexter Lawrence. Can't go in that direction. So on the defensive side of the football, I'm stalling a little bit. I get it. I think the unheralded player would be a player who I think we would both consider to be one of the best players in on this team but we don't talk about him that much. And that's a Dory Jackson. So I'm going to go with the Dory. I was actually going to go with Julian love. Cause I still think he's not really viewed as like the best player, even though he made the interception. Um, and for me, it's just all those plays I mentioned throughout this podcast that I felt like he did an excellent job of stopping from being bigger plays. But if I was going to give it out to another player than Julian love, if he didn't qualify, it would be Dane Belton. who I also thought played an unheralded role in this game. How about the highest motor, highest effort player in this game from you? Julian Love. Yeah. Julian yeah. Love would be that. He's just, he flies around the field. It could be so many guys. They all fly around the field. Yeah, they do. But Julian Love is somebody who made a lot of plays other than 
the interception that everyone's talking about, the PBU, the two tackles that we were mentioning, the positioning himself in the gap to force J.K. Dobbins to bounce outside right into O'Shane's and Menez on the drive that ended in a missed field goal attempt. Just so many little plays like that that don't show up on the stat sheet. I feel like Julian Love is always doing the right thing. I think Leonard Williams is another player that could constitute this because he's always positioning himself well too, but I'm going to go with Love. Yeah, I'm going to say love as well but i could also give it to dexter lawrence for playing that absurd snap count despite you know his size best player overall on film for you i think this one's pretty easy best player overall yes is it pretty easy and i'm a little curious on on, uh you would you say Kayvon thibodeau no 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 no. i would say it's dexter lawrence without that's who i was that's who i was gonna go with as well okay yeah, Dexter Lawrence, I mean, look, we saw it mostly in the first half, but then sometimes as well in the second half. He was winning one-on-one pass rush reps with ease consistently. That is like, that's next. That's like Aaron Donald, like type of stuff that, that those guys do. But then he's also a dominant run defender. So, I mean, he like I said, if he continues to play at this point, he's an all-pro player. And he, he'll deserve that, and hopefully he'll get that. And we'll see. Because, you know, you could say two weeks ago, oh, it's because he matched up against Mustafa. But no, now it's like, Tyler Linderbrown, who I know is 290 pounds or whatever, but it's still not like an easiest match. It's not a must Great technique, though. The kid knows his technique, yep. and that's one of the reasons why it was a first-round pick. By the way, whenever we bring up Sam Mustafa's name, I think you have to say in Adriana's voice from The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. Mustafa! <laughs> um, all right. What else do we have? Best play call from Wink? Be- yeah, best play call. That could be so many of them. I think I'm going to go with the play that Oshin Zimenez sunk off the line of scrimmage on the third and goal and eliminated the throwing window, occupied Ronnie Stanley, spied Lamar Jackson, then pressured Lamar Jackson, and also isolated a running back in a two-versus-one situation on a six-man pressure package. So I'll go with that one. But there are several because Wink Martindale is a freaking mastermind with wasting blockers and calling defense. You're damn right. And I'll go with... The first time they had that look where they had uh, Ziminens, Lawrence, and Thibodeau all lined up one after another right over the over the center because, you know, it was the perfect play call for what the Ravens ran. And that was a key point of the game because the Ravens were in a position where if they got yards on that play, it could have set up point. It could have led to points on the board. So I'll go with that one. Let's wrap this up with a pass rushing grade, one through 10, and then a run defense grade. Start with a pass rushing grade. Pass rushing grade is interesting because a lot of the edge rushers were tasked to, you know, be a little bit more judicious with how they rush the passer and because Lamar Jackson is a quarterback, but they were still able to get some pressure when they really needed to. I'll go with a good, strong 6.7. Okay, I'll go. It's a tough one because Dexter Lawrence alone got in the nines. Thibodeau had a couple good pass rushes in there. Um, Not too much elsewhere, I would say. I'll go 6-1 on this one. So a little above average there. How about run defense grade? Run defense grade, geez. Not great, Bob. Not great. I'm going to go with a... It's probably not the worst that we're ever going to give out. Like Again, I think a lot of it was just timely calls and then one second level defender not executing their assignment to the the manner that they should have. Let's go with a 2.7. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I was thinking in the 2.3, 2.4 range. I'll go 2.4. Look, the Ravens ran a lot of the same stuff all game. The Giants didn't really have any answer for it. The Giants didn't win this game because they adjusted well to the run and stopped it. Like you mentioned the play with Jihad Ward. They did a good job on that one. And then, like you said, they adjusted a little bit. But ultimately, the Ravens ran with ease all game long and just eventually lost the game because of turnovers, um, less so than stopping the Giants. Or less so than the Giants stopping them and adjusting them. So not a great grade for the run defense. That's okay. 
the Giants figured out a way to win this football game again, just making plays in the key moments. And once again, the Giants come out victorious, 5-1. and one. It's unbelievable to even think about this team being 5-1. and one. I, Sometimes during the week, Nick, I'm just like, or like, just like, are the Giants really five and one? I have to like guess my second guess myself. Like, no, they must have four wins, right? No, no, no. It's five wins. They're five and one already. It's just wild to think about, especially with this stretch of the schedule coming up. These next four games, I, I mean, they could win any of them, and I would, I would hope they win at least two of them. But there's a realistic shot that they win three or four of these next four games. So it could be crazy to see the see where, and that goes into the bye week, and it could just be crazy where we're at record wise going into the bye week. Team has five wins, Dan, and we're still in October. Like right. the World Series hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy. Basketball season is just starting up. Like wild to think about. Yep. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning into the Big Blue Bander podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. We'll have more content coming. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.